Gospel Courage this morning, part three. If you have a copy of the Bible, you might want to turn over to Romans chapter one. We'll find ourselves there. This series is all about the gospel and how redemptive and powerful it is for our lives as God the Father has loved us deeply and with overwhelming love in his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get really excited because Christmas is coming. Have I told you that lately? But we'll say that for another day. I love this time of the year when fall, when things begin to change. Actually, this week, out of my morning walks, I actually got to wear a, a sweater or two. I even wore some gloves one day. And a couple other days, I wish I'd had gloves. My hands were freezing. You go, bless your heart. Well, I'm from Alabama. I'm kind of a wuss when it comes to cold weather. But I was glad for a change. How about you? Okay. Well, don't get too spoiled. It'll change. It'll be 85 on Christmas. I'll prophesy. The gospel. The gospel is the language of life. The gospel is the good news of God that he's come near in Jesus Christ. The gospel speaks to people that are hopeless. The gospel speaks to people that need direction for the life because they kind of missed the mark. The gospel speaks to us in the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves on a daily basis. The gospel is alive. The gospel speaks. And this morning, I was, as I've been reflecting all month, just thinking about gospel, like I just finished a 19-week series on the gospel of Mark, and then I've been thinking about this series of the gospel. It's just the good news of God. And yet, for some reason, you and I make mistakes and poor choices, and we tend to repeat behaviors that we wish we didn't. Paul talks about it in Romans, about I hate those things that I do that I wish I didn't do, and yet we have the Holy Spirit. But somehow, if we're honest, we get trapped in repetitive, selfish behavior. And those things are called sin. And yet, the gospel, what it does, it comes to target, it comes to change the very roots of our heart. Because in our heart... We know that that's the core of our being. That's where we know that we need help. We know that somehow we get bound up relationally. Just think about it this month, this week, where relationally you got bound up with another and it wasn't healthy, or financially you got bound up, or in a parental sense, you're like, man, I'm bound up, or addictions or afflictions or whatever it is, I just got bound up. But somehow I asked that God would come with this life shattering, altering, changing gospel to break the shackles that somehow hold me back. And then when we talk about how beautiful the good news of Christ is, then it's obvious, why don't we share the good news of Christ? And I've asked myself that. I remember as, as a new convert, I've told you many times, it was so easy, this new life, this changed person, this new creation. I told everybody, but then... If I could be really honest, I settled in like other Christians, and I became a pastor pretty early in life and loved Christ and loved His Word, but somehow that fire of always talking to everybody, I was like every other person, then not every person. And then I got to thinking over the years, now it's been 41 in January, I thought, why don't I share? Why don't we share like we should? And so there's some reasons here. Number one, you can write it down, it's not gonna come up on the screen. Maybe just a lack of knowledge. You're just kind of scared. You're just like, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the training. I don't have the words. And yet the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will give us the words at the right time. You're saying, but pastor, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds, thousands of times. I've read the gospel. Okay, that's good. But sometimes we just think, well, everybody's already heard it. Well, when you live in Montgomery, Alabama, there's a good chance that people have heard it 
a lot more than other parts of America. But I will tell you this, the Bible Belt has so significantly changed in the last three years and the church said, and it's not good. There's a false gospel out there. There's a gospel that's not the redemptive power of God. There's a gospel, oh, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, brother, sister. Come to Jesus and all your worries will be gone. Come to Jesus and you'll feel good. Well, you know, Jesus makes life better. Amen. But this pie in the sky, just come to Jesus and there'll be no more worries. Just come to Jesus and you'll have plenty of money. How's that working for you? Hey, uh-huh. Say, it just doesn't work that easy, does it? We, we, we need help. We, we need this gospel daily. We need to apply him. So this, this lack of knowledge. And then what I found out as I was reading, studying, thought about all the low evangelistic campaigns across the country and in the churches. And listen, listen, there's the Great Commission that we talk about here a lot, fulfilling the Great Commission in Montgomery and the world. And there's the Great Commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that we just read on the screen. There's a passage in Deuteronomy, and it gets the New Testament with Jesus. But the thing is, if we're not careful, listen, listen to me, don't write me off, get it in context. We write off the Great Commission and we substitute it with the Great Commandment. And it is not, it is both. And the church said, we need to love God. We need to love our neighbors. Eric, that was some cool stuff Eric was sharing about the turquoise table. I ain't getting one from my yard, but I think it's a pretty cool idea. But the thing is, we want to love our neighbor, but we want to make sure. See, I'm not sure how many people know they're lost. And I've all, I tell you this all the time. If you don't know the gospel about how bad you are and how depraved you are and how you've missed it and how you're bound for hell without Jesus Christ, then you don't realize how good the good news of the gospel is. So, Lord, we, we want to run to you. Here's the second reason, apathy. And this is the one that breaks my heart. Some of us maybe say, I just don't care that much to share the gospel. I just don't care that much to really be concerned and engage my lost neighbor. And that's why I pray if God didn't do anything else today, I pray that God would somehow do a transformation in my heart and yours that I would begin to fall more in love with my neighbor that they might somehow know the person of Christ and walk with him and have their sins forgiven but experience a full abundant life today. Not just heaven, but this life. And the church said, Lord, show me how to love my neighborhood. Show me how to love my neighbor. We, we're reading a book right now about being missional, the leadership team. It's a great read. And we talk about that a lot, but I, I think about on my prayer walks, I pray for the nations because we have a lot of uh, eth ethnicities that live in our neighborhood, and I, I see a lot of internationals on my walk. Matter of fact, there, there's this one, and, uh, and I pass by them, and she's Australian. She's always walking her dog. No, I mean, her dog is walking her. She's like trying to chase a dog. And she'll say something in an Australian voice. My next door neighbor's Australian. Across the street, they're Korean. Next door, I got a Jamaican. Across the street, have an elderly American. You say, man, where do you live, bro? That's just Montgomery. You know what I'm saying, church? And yet, I've been asking God for the nations for a long time. That's why these flags are up here. I've been asking God for my neighbors. God, help us learn how to build relationships with those outside. But that's one reason we, we get apathetic. Another third reason is fear. We just get fearful. Well, I'm afraid they might dislike me. They might not invite me to the Super Bowl party. They might not invite me to whatever. They might stop inviting my kids to the birthday parties. Oh, God forbid. Some of your moms are going, I'll share Jesus that they won't invite me to the birthday party. Now, that was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but if you've got young kids, you know, I, I ask my daughter all the time, I say, hey, what are y'all doing? She'll look at me, I say, going to birthday party? Three this afternoon. Going to two, going to one, going to four. Going to birthday party? None this weekend. Praise the Lord, you know. And birthday parties are fun. But all these kind of things about 
look, uh, trying to reach our neighbors. And here's a, here's a fourth one. This, this is a big one, why we don't share Christ. A lack of compassion. Just the other morning, I was reading my quiet times, and I was reading about Jesus and how he had great compassion, and the, and, and the people seemed to be a people without a shepherd, and they seemed to be scattered. And I thought, Lord, that's what I want in my heart, and I want it in your hearts. God, give us deep, devoted compassion for you and for those far from you that we have compassion for the lost that we care and that we care so much we begin to cry out to heaven we begin to cry out to the father god clothe me in compassion for my neighbor god clothe me in compassion for my enemy god clothe me in compassion for that person that mocks me and insults me and persecutes me god clothe me in, com that, in compassion for that person that is distressed and hurting god clothe me in compassion for that person that is broken and contrite and heavy at heart god give me oh yeah give me compassion just want to know if you were listening okay some of you looked at me look like is this going to be a test it could be okay look look across the very top of your outline you can circle this, a big oval, since I forgot to get us to do that in the notes. Preach the gospel to everyone because the gospel can change anyone. Be bold in your sharing. I think that's a great proclamation of the truth that I really am trying to share today from the book of Romans about, Lord, help us to be bold witnesses. But not only bold witnesses, but God, help me to preach the gospel to everyone because I believe the gospel has the power to change everyone anyone do you believe anyone can be changed by jesus i do i'm one of them and hopefully all of you are or all of you will be convinced before the service is over but christ just changes people christ just redeems christ just transforms christ just makes new things old things new and i know there's some people like well he could never change them oh but he can if he can change the terrorizing apostle paul on the damascus road do you think he can change your neighbor do you think he can change your enemy the scripture teaches that he can so we want to be bold in our sharing but look let's look here look there in the book of romans with me chapter 1 verses 14 through 17 stay seated i'm not gonna make you stand but i want you to listen to this paul says i am obligated both to greeks and non-greeks both to the wise and to the foolish that is why i'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at rome and I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Man, I love this writing of the Apostle Paul, all his letters. But particularly, I love the book of Romans. And here, he begins to address, so fill in, he, he gives three words, there are I am's, and this one he goes, I am obligated. Just right in there, I am obligated. Paul goes, man, I was so far from God. I persecuted the followers of the way, is what they called him in the book of Acts. I so had been murdered uh, stood up against them Stephen and the like I did not like Christians I hated Christians I was against Christians and now I am one and now I am the chief of sinners but now I am somehow I am compelled I am obligated that's my steps I've got to take I'm compelled I'm duty bound I'm indebted to this gospel he was obligated have you ever been obligated to something sure you have and sometimes when we get obligated, like, well, you know, I, I got to go to this thing because 
I said a would, or I know I should be there, or I'd hurt their feelings, or if I didn't do this, I'm just obligated. And when you live your life full of obligations, it can get a little heavy, a little tiresome. I understand. I've, I've certainly been obligated to things. And yet, some, somehow, there's so many things I do wrong, but in this one thing, when, when I make a commitment to something, I stick to it for the most part. And if I'm obligated to do this, then I'm going to do it because I remember my dad talking to me, son, your word is your bond. And when you tell somebody yes, do it. When you tell them no, don't do it. Unless you're like dying in the hospital and I'll give you a note. Okay, son? And he's been dead almost 25 years, so he don't give me any notes anymore. Okay? But that principle is really good. Like, I'm obligated. I, I got to do this. And, and you have obligations. I mean, like, and, and some of you are like, yeah, I'm going to write down the obligations I have and I'm going to write the ones that I don't want to do anymore. But Paul had experienced Christ on Damascus Road. And here's what I'd, I'd like for you to think. Just write that to the side. There was great gratitude to Jesus not to pay back because he couldn't pay back that which Christ had secured for him. But listen, I love this. He paid it forward. He didn't pay back, but he paid forward his praise. He paid forward his worship. I don't know how many of you were here then. Do you remember the weekend that I convinced our board of elders to give me $3,000 to give away on a Sunday morning service. How many were here? Raise your hand if you remember that. Yeah. Somebody looked around. Hey, man, I like this church. This is cool. They're going to give away money this morning? And we gave away money to pay random acts of service in the name of Jesus for. And we had some amazing testimonies. I think we gave them in $10 increments, and you couldn't take your girlfriend, you couldn't take your spouse, but you had to pay the acts for And We gave examples and illustrations. But that's what I thought about. We're obligated. We pay for it. But look at this thing in verse 15. He goes, I'm not only obligated, now I am eager. I'm eager to do something. And I'm just wondering, or so, is it come up? I am eager? Here it is. Okay, there it is. Okay, I'm eager. I, I, I was thinking I'd said that. So he, he lived in this culture, and yet Paul wanted the gospel to be for everyone. Paul wanted this gospel to go to all tribes, all nations, all people, Greek, non-Greek, Jews, Gentiles. And, and, and I got to thinking about us. When Jesus, uh, when the God had called Abraham... He said, Abraham, you will be the father of the Jewish people. You'll be the father of all nations. You're the father of people here. There was nothing reluctant here about Paul sharing, going to all people, everyone. He didn't say, okay, let's localize the gospel. Let's geographically draw a circle around what we're doing. Let's only culturally share with people that fit our culture. Let's only deal with people that are in our economic class. Let's marginalize everybody else. The gospel must only be for blacks. It only must be for white. It only must be for Hispanics. It must only be for Asians. Paul would say the gospel is for everyone. You're saying, everyone, that includes you and me. Are y'all glad that the gospel is for all people? I'm glad it wasn't just for the Jew. It was for all. Christ died once and for all, for all mankind, for all people. The gospel for all people. It's for afflicted people. It's for conflicted people. It's for addicted people. It's for people like you and me. Turn to the person next to you and say, the gospel's for you too. Just turn to them and tell them. Why do some of you start talking like, man, the gospel's for you and you need it? Like, you're a, you're a mess. Would you receive this Jesus right now? 
because I'm hungry. I want to go home. No. Okay. Hey, receive Christ now because you need your sins forgiven. Receive Christ now because he might give you hope. Do you believe? And so I keep going back to this truth. Do I really believe that the gospel can change people? I do. That's why I've had the unique privilege and honor to preach the gospel in many nations across the world. I'm going to, get, get to go to a brand new place that I've never been in January and preach the gospel and train pastors with Pastor Bert with the gospel and with the teachings of the church of Jesus Christ. I, I'm excited about that. I, I love, I really like going to places where it's not so saturated, but it doesn't matter. You just go. It, it was several months ago, I remember God called me to preach two little revivals in two little country churches out in the middle of nowhere. Only Jesus knew they were there. I'm riding down the road with my GPS, and it said, give it up. And I get out there, and here was their big history lesson. Pastor, did you know we have people from the Civil War buried next door? And I'm thinking, yeah, some of them got resurrected and came to church tonight. That was the oldest group I've ever preached to in my life. True story. I walk in. Several people walked in with blankets every night. And I'm going, man, this is hilarious. But you know what? Those people needed Jesus just like young people needed Jesus. Amen? And we had an awesome time. And you ought to have heard the music. Very different from what we do here. And they had this soloist every night. She was about 89. And she wasn't Zelda. She didn't have Zelda's energy. And she got up and she sang. And I, I fell in love with this little old lady. And I remember the last night that was there when she came to the altar and she allowed me to pray over. She already knew Christ, but she wanted to have prayer with her because she was facing some uh, poor health situations and some tests. But here's why I said the gospel can change anyone. We got to start looking where we can share, where we can go. We got to make sure that we're depending on Christ and not ourselves. That we're depending on this Jesus who is life, not depending. You know, I've learned this. It's easy to depend on other people. It's easy to depend on your spouse. It's easy to depend on your brother or sister. It's easy to depend on your parents when you're young or maybe when you're old. It's just easy to depend on others. But at the end of the day, Jesus wants us to depend on one person, and it's him, himself. And he wants us to find our strength, not in our religious efforts and striving, but in our striving to know him and to know him better. And then look at the one in verse 16. Now he says, I am not ashamed. He's not ashamed. I mean, he's got some power here. It's a figure of speech here. He basically affirms by denying the negative here with bold, courageous love that, hey, maybe I haven't been a good ambassador, but I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a representative of Christ. I want to make Christ known. I, uh, this, this life that I'm inviting to, it's a new vitality of life. It's where you've gone from death to life so i must proclaim life it's where there's a new identity i've gone from sinner to saint to a son or daughter that's a good one there's this new ability now that i have if i'm in christ i now christ the holy spirit's on the inside of me there's this new liberty that i found because now the chains of sin that once held me have been broken by the power of the cross amen they get broken and then there, I love this one, and you can't ever leave this one out. Now there's a, do, a new destiny because I find myself in Christ, because now I have the eternal hope of heaven. And I, I, I don't know. You know, I can tell I'm getting older. I'm getting to where I love songs about heaven more than I used to. See, I grew up on Southern gospel music with my dad and every other song. I said, Dad, did they sing about anything but heaven? And he just pat his hand and stomp his foot. 
And it's funny now, as much as I've been a part of starting a contemporary movement by almost 25 years ago, and that's my first priority and choice, there's still, and Donna cringes, uh, there's a Southern gospel in me, and I just go listen to it sometime. Cheryl walked in the other day, and she's like, what are you listening to? Well, it's okay, Southern gospel, you know. I'm having a Bill Gaither moment. And, uh, and, and, and some of you said, bro, that's his heart. I knew I liked him. And some of you are like, Bill Gaither, like, please, bro. All right, here it is, the hope of heaven. Man, I love that new destiny. But hey, in Christ, I'm adopted as God's child. In Christ, I get filled with him, the Holy Spirit. In Christ, I get redeemed, reconciled. In Christ, I get to share. I, I go from dead to sin, alive in God. In Christ, I get sent by Jesus to be his witness, to share. So look, look at the great passage that will come up. It's Romans 1, 16 and 17. It'll just come up on the screen. And it is, for I am not ashamed. Hey, read it with me. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I wanted you to read that because I just wanted God's word to get in your soul. I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to read it. I wanted you to see it. I mean, when you walk out here today, I'm hoping you're saying, man, this guy, he just wants us to hear the gospel. He just wants us to, he believes that the gospel has the power of God to save our very lives and changes. I know it does because it did for me and it's done it for you. you. You've told me, so many of you have told me about your story and it, how Jesus can take us from unbelief to belief, and he heals our souls. I want you to look at these four G's. See, see the four G's? Draw a box around that in your notes. The four G's. Started to use this on week one, didn't get there. Week two, didn't fit. And I just thought, man, God, I want to get there. But here's what I know right before I get into the four G's. Our hearts, I read one time, and I read it again this week, they're an idol factory. Our hearts have the capacity, the ability to produce idols. And we have idols in our heart that we have to dismantle, that we have to take off the throne and worship Jesus. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those idols in a minute. But my, and, and, and when we know we have an idol, my life only has meaning if I do this. My life only has meaning if I have whatever. But it reveals a lot about us, about who we really are. And um, so, you know, we, we want to put in there, God, I, I, I need you, but... I need you, God, however, you don't want to put but or however in there with God. You just want to go, God, I need you. God, you, you're enough. I remember when I learned that truth, and I'm still relearning it over and over. God, you are enough. I don't know this morning, this is free, but do you really believe God is enough this morning for your life? See, some of us do and some of us don't if we're really going to say, hey, I want to be trustworthy. I want Jesus to be enough, but really it's Jesus plus something. And here's what I've learned. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus, you, you know, I, I'm getting a side margin. I'm getting to the four G's, but I just got to say this. Us preachers, sometimes when we talk, we talk about this a lot. We've seen a real shift in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Montgomery, Alabama. And, one, and of course, across the nation, we won't even talk about that. But what we've seen is Jesus has become the great Adam. And can I tell you something? I want you to hear, if you never hear anything I ever say, Jesus is not the add on the life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is enough. You don't just say, I'm going to put some Jesus on the list and I'm going to check him off my box. I had Jesus today. We'll see you again in three weeks, Jesus. No. Jesus, you're enough. And the church said, I was waiting for you to say, I'm mad. <laughs> no, I want Jesus to be the priority. Lord, show us what that looks like. 
Lord, there's, there's these, uh, these icebergs below the surface. You know, only, you know, like 90% under the water. And something's sinking us. Something's trapping us. And I don't know what it is, but, but God wants to move us past that. These, these things that have just kind of taken us over. Oh, it could be, uh, you know, lying, gossip, laziness, anxiety, whatever. We, we can just name on and on. But uh, I, I know this about idols. Surface idols are like crabgrass in this sense. You can mow it with your lawnmower. But what happens to crabgrass? It comes back. And it comes back thicker than it was. And see, you can have behavior modification. That's a psychological term. You can have, like, believe. I'm trying to modify my beliefs faster. Okay, we're good. But at the end of the day, if you don't get a new root system, if you don't get changed on the inside out, it's going to come back. And I've told you this, but it works because I love to work in a yard. It's, it's therapeutic. No, I don't want to come over and work in your yard, but I mean, but, 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 but it is. And, but I get out there. And what I've learned is you've got to get in there. And Don, I'll tell you, I, sometimes I spend hours a week in my yard digging up roots and weeds and trying to get it because I want it to look nice. And I got the guy who lives next door to me. He gets a yard of the century, okay? And uh, so it's a competition. So, you know, you want it to look right. But I have been known just to throw the straw on it and go. And it tells on me every single time. Because that grass starts making its way through. Then roots start coming through. you got to yank it out by the root system. And God wants to come in and he wants to get the roots of our sinful behavior and replace it with great grace and with new mercy. And everybody said, that's what I want. I want to change from Jesus. So here it is. Fill in the first G. God is great so I don't have to be in control. You know, that truth right there will preach that Jesus comes. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are above all things. And I don't have to be in control because if you do that, it's a control item. And I understand. I like control. You like control. Some of you don't like control. But here, here it is. All right, I'll set it up. All you young parents and all you that had kids in the past, think about it. In parenting, you are in control the first year of their life. And you think, lofty am I. They wait on me for everything. But as soon as those kids begin to walk, you can hang it up. Have you ever walked down the hall and looked and toilet tissues all the way through the house? Or the toilet tissue got dumped a couple rolls in the toilet. Hey, I thought it was a ball, so I threw it in. And all in all, we can think we have control. And parenting is really an illusion. It's what I'm learning. Y'all know we're doing a parenting conference here? February 8th and 9th, next weekend, we're going to talk about it a little bit. But we always want to try to figure out how can we be better at our parenting things. But here's the thing. Control. We won't control. And God's like, no, that can become an idol in your life. And I want you to bow to me because I am great and above all. And that's a truth that I want to hold on to. Now, let me give you a next one that's so important here. God is glorious, so I don't need other people's approval. It's a power idol. God, you're glorious. Lord, you are so magnificent. Lord, you are so awesome. Lord, you are so above everything of this world, Lord. Because if I'm not careful, I shape myself up. I ramp myself up to 21st possibilities of what I think I can be uh, uh, approved of in my life. I, I don't know about you. and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Have you ever struggled with approval? You wanted approval of uh, mom and dad? You wanted approval of your older brother and sister. You wanted approval of your boss. Even starting this church 23 seasons ago, I remember wanting the approval of some certain people in my life. Donna knows. And 
it didn't come and one came about year 19 or 20 I went wow I think I'd live to see that but the father whispered a truth into my heart that I'll never remember son I'm the one that matters and I approve and starting this church you have no idea what a challenge and a joy and a struggle and how I, your pastor struggled with approval idols in his life because I wanted to be see I'd been so accepted everywhere I went and when I started finding conflict I went Ooh, push back I don't want that I want everybody to love me see I thought when I took the office of senior pastor people would bow at my words when I speak them with kingdom authority it just says we want to fight we want to have conflict. And so God started teaching me then. I'm still learning this thing about approval. And, and right now, there are some people in this room, you battle with approval too. And, you, and, and it's become sometimes a, a, an idol in your life. And, and, and we can get all kind of battles here about uh, these, these approval. But God's glorious, the power. Did, did I say God is gracious? Did I give you that? God is gracious. I think I got ahead of myself because that's really the approval idol. I, I get so wrapped up and I just intertwine all these, how God is so good, how he's so great, how God is so gracious. And to be affirmed, it's, it, you know, to be affirmed is not sinful in itself. It's really not. That, that's okay. Jesus talks about, we have the, some of you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And you exhort, you edify one another, and that can be good. But when the chief desire of the heart is to be approved by others, then it becomes a sinful choice. Then it becomes a choice that gets you in trouble. I love where in Matthew 3, uh, 17, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. You know, I, I ask that of Jesus a lot. Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight, Lord. I really messed up in that situation today or yesterday. God, help me to be forgiving and to be forgiven. God, help me to be pleasing. Lord, help others in my presence. Help us to be pleasing, God. God, help us collectively as a church of the living Christ. Help us to be pleasing to you, Father. You know, I'd write that down. That's a great prayer for all of us to pray. God, help our church to be approved by you daily. Help us to be a blessing to you in your world. Help us to be pleasing to you. Lord, help us not to crave approval because if I crave approval, It'll turn dark. It'll somehow lead me into temptation and sin that I don't want to go there. But Lord, I want you to be the boss. Lord, I want you to approve. Lord, I don't know what others think, and I never will know what others think. But I, don't, I want to know what Jesus thinks. And as I get to know him better, as I study his word, as I pray his word, as I reflect on his word, I get to know what pleases him. And I get to know what he approves of and what he disapproves of. And uh, so, like, here's what I know. God approves of the cross. God approves of the payment of Jesus for my sin and yours. God approves of those that will walk by faith and not by sight. God approves of those that are humble of heart and broken and contrite and tremble at the word of God Almighty. Write down Isaiah 66 2. That scripture just came to me. I, I used to quote it a lot. It's a great passage. Those are the things that God approves of. And you could, you, could make, you could start making a list today. That'd, that'd even be a great study for the next month. God, I want to make a list of the things you approve of. I'll tell you a quick story. God approves of us loving his word. You know what happened this week? My dear friend, Zelda, had her car broken into. 
and they broke her glass out. But you know what they took? They took her Bible. Took her Bible. Come on. You take an elderly woman's Bible? Now, it looked like a purse, I guess, and that's why they took it. But, 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 but they took the Bible. But here's why I tell you that. Because, you know, like, okay, like, hey, we buy you a Bible. Just don't pick on the lady at our church, okay? Don't want to go through all that mess. But God, you approve of people that love your word. God, you approve of people that are devoted to Christ. You approve of people that worship you. You approve of people that humble themselves. And look at the fourth one. So God is glorious, gracious. God is good. So I don't have to look elsewhere. I don't have to look elsewhere. Now, that's a critical point, y'all. Not looking elsewhere. The source of the idol of comfort is all-consuming source in our lives if we're not careful. Because I know, like you, we like comfort. We are Westerners. We are Americans here. We do like... How many of you like comfort? Can you just raise your hand? Yeah. How many of you like comfort food? Yeah. That's why I got in so much trouble. I had to lose weight. Because, man, I was like, you know what? And I'm not lying to you. Hey, I don't cuss and I don't drink and I don't run around on women. That, that's good, you know, because your pastor did. You know, and I do this and this. I love Jesus and all that. But I found comfort in food. And when I got stressed... Glory to God. I just started eating. And this year was the first year in my life that I ever remember. I didn't have one piece of Halloween food. I mean, used to, I ate Halloween for three weeks. And you brought a bag and I said, that's for me. What are y'all going to have? You're going, you're a fool. Well, I'm just telling you, I, I, I find comfort in it. And so I've been asking God to help me get new desires. Didn't mean, hey, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like when we have Thanksgiving feast next week, get out of the way. Now, I know I look like, some of you come to me and say, Pastor, you're losing weight. You need to eat a little something. No, I've been working hard on this. But let me tell you what, get in my way next week and you'll see a bold man for Jesus. Because I want to eat. I want to eat what I used to, but I'm going to eat. I'm going to participate. Would that be okay with you? You're like, as long as I can go next. Because I learned a long time ago around here at Christ Community, our church likes to eat. So I learned a long, go, a long time ago, Chrissy would have her famous cheesecakes over here. And I'd watch y'all lines be over here. Be three, four hundred people in here. And everybody, glory to God, glory to God, filling that plate up twice. I'd be going, they're going to run out. They're going to run out. And I remember, no, they ain't either. I'd go straight to the dessert table. I got my dessert and I walked by and people had the audacity to come up to me and go, you got a dessert. I said, well, you got two plates right there in front of you. Hush your mouth. And I'd just start eating my dessert. I ain't going to do that now. I don't want to be rude. I'm trying to get sanctified. I'm trying to grow in Christ. I'm trying to be, you know, better and love Jesus more, okay? All right, so God's great. God's glorious. God's gracious. God's good. Look, look at these questions real quick with me. I, I want you to see this because this, this is important, and uh, I'm never going to get there. Which part of the gospel have we forgotten or failed to believe? See, sometimes we only hear part of the gospel, and God wants us to hear all the gospel, all of his word, and we have to rehearse these truths. God Sometimes we're like that thing in Mark 9, help me if you can, help my unbelief. I will assure you God is good and glorious and gracious, and God can help those that call on him. Do you believe that, church? God's good. And Lord, I, I want to look to you. And Lord, sometimes I've just forgotten my, my unbelief got in the way. And that's a whole message I'll come back and preach about unbelief one day. But God wants to drive unbelief far from our hearts as we walk through the valley of life. Look at number two. How does the gospel bring good news to the situation right now? Right now, the gospel, I don't think it's just for later. I think the gospel is for today. 
like is get the good news of Jesus one might be to edify to build up one another it might be to forgive it might be to pray for others without ceasing it might be to give thanks in all things for this is God's will concerning you in Christ Jesus I could go on and on through scriptures that this is God's will and acceptable will for you and for me so God help us to do that to experience you and, and but but here's what you know God take all the sorrows and the troubles out of my life God I know best I don't know best I think I know, and you think you know, but God, you do what you need to do in me. Lord, you shape us to the image of Christ. Jesus, you, you know what I learned about Jesus, and I'm learning? Jesus likes to surprise us. How many of you like to surprise people? Isn't it fun? Oh, boy, I bet you're fun at Christmas. Okay, about six of you raise your hand like, no, we tell everybody what we're doing. Okay. Well, I think we serve a Savior that is full of surprises. I think he likes to surprise us as we go into the day with his grace and his mercy and his goodness and his forgiveness and with his leadership. But he also likes to surprise me with this way. I am sovereign. I am in control and you are not. And I control the nations. And I control the world. And I control your life. And I'm above all. Bow. Worship me. I'm good. And then look at the last one. How is Jesus better than what we have or what we want? How is Jesus better? Well, he's just so much better. I'm going to ask you, Caitlin, if y'all, you and April, all the team would come up. Here's what I tell you. Listen real quick. i got to move. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's just better. He's better than material wealth. He's better than the things of this world that they come to give me from strength to strength. Jesus is better than every relationship that I can form on this earth. Even my marriage. Even my kids and my grandkids, even the church members that I come alongside, Jesus is better than every relationship that we have. And Christ wants to come to fulfill us and Him be enough. He's just better. And as I was studying this, I even read one truth, Jesus is better than comfort and ease. I don't know about you, man. I, we all like comfort. So I'm like, God, I want, a, I want an easier way. Jesus, I don't want a cross. I want a couch. You know, Jesus could have put that in the, in, in the gospel Pick up your couch and go near the TV and sit down and have dessert and snack till I come again. He said, pick up a cross, die to yourself, lay your life down. That's gospel. So this morning, I don't know if you want a couch or you want a cross, but Jesus always chooses a cross. Chooses a cross for you, chooses a cross for all of us. So Lord, I want to I run after you, Lord. I want to lay down my life for you. In Luke 17, 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it so you know what i've learned the good news the gospel impacts every single situation we find ourselves in but sometimes i choose to reject this beautiful gospel and so do you god help us to draw near to the person of jesus and to embrace you